0: Welcome back. We're glad you joined us again for a study in the Sermon on the Mount. As you know, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' fullest explanation of how one attains the right to reign with him in his kingdom. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, my friend, you must obey the rules set forth in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount begins with an exposition on who are the commendables, that is, what kinds of people can expect God to give them a public commendation for how they lived. We've looked at several of them today, we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This is a commendable one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. As you know, the Sermon on the Mount uh, contains several sections. One of the more famous ones, of course, is Jesus' dis- detailed on who can expect to be blessed by God. Now, you need to understand that the word translated marcurias is an adjective. It is not a verb, and it certainly is not an imperative. It is an adjective, and you know adjectives modify nouns, first and foremost. That is, it tells us something about the noun. A blue car. The word blue is an adjective. It describes the noun car. It tells us something about the car. In this case, it tells us a color. The adjective describes an attribute of the noun. The term in Greek is markurios. Markurios describes or gives a characteristic of hunger and thirst. One who hungers and thirsts For righteousness. I would prefer to translate the verse, The honorable who long for justice, or the honorable hungers and thirsty for righteousness' sake. I translated the verse, The honorable who long for justice, my Father will reward, because they shall live in perfection. This verse tells us that one of the commendables, now I call them commendables because these are individuals whom God the Father will commend publicly for how they lived during their time on earth. You need to understand these are the remarks that we can expect to hear from God at the bema seat of judgment. You are honorable during your life. After you're dead is when the verdict for your life in terms of its totality is reflected. God is going to give nine groups of people commendation for how well they lived. They are commendable, honorable. Today we are discussing the ones who are described as hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Sake. Now, you'll notice in this verse, uh, as you read it in the uh, ESV, for, for example, that the word they use is righteousness. This word in the Greek, dikaiosune. Dikaiosune, according to Lo and Nider's Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament, suggests that there are one of two possible nuances righteousness, justice, both focusing on doing the right thing. In this case, I believe Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 should be translated with the word justice in order to not prejudice the reader against what Matthew originally intended. Now, usually when we hear the word righteous, we or righteousness, we think of Paul. If you've heard a sermon preached about righteousness, you probably heard it preached from the book of Romans. Paul, he gives a long, detailed explanation of what righteousness is. However, in most passages in the New Testament, the meaning is determined by the Old Testament and Jewish history. Of the concept. In other words, when you read the word righteousness, you should first think Old Testament. That is how the Jewish people understood that term coming into the New Testament. Now to be sure, we can appreciate Paul's rather extensive discussion. But in the Gospel of Matthew, it would be better if you understand it from an Old Testament perspective, given that Matthew is writing about a time before Paul and his writings. Um, The usage of this word dikaiosune, or righteousness, it occurs seven times in the Gospel of Matthew. The adjective dikaios, or righteous, occurs 17 times it is an adjective. It describes a person as righteous. We will say a righteous person, in which case the word righteous as an adjective is describing an attribute of a person. It appears in Matthew more than perhaps any other writing in the New Testament other than the writings of the Apostle Paul. And this can be a problem, particularly for those who want to read Paul, and then read what Paul said back into Matthew. But you must keep in mind that Matthew, even though he's it's written 30 years after Jesus was on earth, is describing what Jesus was saying and doing at the time he was physically here on the earth. Now, you have to keep one particular truth clearly in mind. When Paul, for the most part, when Paul talks about righteousness, he's talking about your position, your legal standing. Matthew, when he talks about righteousness, he's talking about the practical way you live day to day. Matthew focuses on your behavior. Paul focuses on your position. God looks at you in terms of your position, that is, you have been saved by faith in Jesus Christ, and he also looks at your practice, your daily behavior. The goal in life is to bring the two together, that you will live day to day according to the way God sees you. But, of course, you and I know that we often fail in that area. We are righteous in position, but our day-to-day living, we fall short. We have ups and downs. We sin and we confess. So understand, in Paul's writing, he's describing your position. He's describing the legal standing that God has given you. He has declared you righteous therefore righteousness. But in your day-to-day life, how you ought to live, you will be practicing righteousness in terms of trying to conform your behavior to that which Jesus Christ dictates. And of course, that's why we're studying the Sermon on the Mount. One writer, and Snyder, says, of course, for the entire New Testament usage, the fundamental idea is that of righteousness in the original sense of God as the judge and redeemer of his own, and of righteous conduct of humans who find its norm in the righteous conduct of God. Now, in other words, what he's saying is this. God is the standard. We try to live up to that standard. Our conduct, our righteous behavior is patterned after God. God is our judge and redeemer, and he tells us how we are to live, and our job is to seek to conform to that standard. Sadly and unfortunately, Uh, Outside the Pauline epistles, the letters of Paul, the concept of dikaiosune is a major theological motif found only in Matthew. Matthew wants us to understand that Jesus Christ is our model and example. The evangelist interprets the way of Jesus as the way of righteousness, which was already proclaimed by John the Baptist and who was detailed and modeled. By Jesus Christ. The way of righteousness becomes an expression for the righteous demand of God towards mankind. So it's very important for you as you seek to obey to understand that when you read the gospel of Matthew and you see that word righteousness, he's talking about your behavior. He's talking about you doing the right things on a day-to-day basis, making the right choices, not sinning not walking in the flesh, but walking in the power of the spirit according to what God dictates. Now, in this particular passage, he is focusing on your behavior as a way of life. Now, what behavior is specifically in focus here? He says that the honorable who hunger and thirst for justice, now justice here is not used in the sense in which most people understand it today we speak of social justice we speak of economic justice this word actually is focusing on the character of god he is describing a person who gets angry and is deeply wounded and disgusted by the cre- the creatures disrespect for the creator is focusing on people who don't give god his due respect those who don't honor his name those who don't seek to allow god his rightful place in his creation let me give you an example it is almost common practice to take God's name in vain in the movies. One can barely watch a movie these days where God's name is not taken in vain. Disrespect for God in God's ways. I simply won't watch a movie if they have if they use swearing and God's name. That is so disrespectful, and I wouldn't allow that. I wouldn't allow anyone to talk about my mother that way, let alone the God who resides in heaven. And when I see creation disrespecting the creator by abusing and misusing and being vulgar and unnecessarily evil towards God, that is or it ought to make you angry. The person that is being described here, hunger and thirst for righteousness or justice, is a person that daily is insulted by the continual assassination of God, his character, his ways, and what he wants. It's a deep thing. This is not just a casual, you know, most good people don't like to hear cussing and swearing of filthy language. And they really are appalled by the use of God's name in that. But the type of person that is described here is wounded and mortified by creation's disrespect of the creator. This is a person who daily mourns, who daily longs for the time when the creation will correctly respond to its creator with the respect and admiration and devotion that it deserves. And because they've never attained to that in this life, God promises in the life to come that they will live in perfection. In fact, the book of Revelation tells us that there are going to be some people who were faithful in this life whom God will make pillars in his temple, and they will never leave it. You will never, ever again be out of the perfect presence of God, and therefore will never know, see, hear, anything that is not the highest honor and respect for Almighty God. This is one of nine commendables, one who hunger and thirst for righteousness or justice, Did you happen to know that this list of the nine commendables, poor in spirit, mourn, meek, hunger and thirst for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemaker, persecuted for righteous sake, and falsely accused. Do you know that this list actually corresponds perfectly to the nine fruit of the spirit? Now, they're not in the same order, Matthew 5, Galatians 5. But the list is a match. It's not hard to see it. For example, in the list of commendables in chapter 5, he talked about the meek, which is another word for gentleness, which is a fruit of the Spirit. Or the word merciful, which we're going to look at next time. In the list of the fruit, it's the word kindness. Peacemaker. In the commendable list of Matthew 5 is, of course, the spirit or fruit of peace that occurs in Paul's list of fruit of the spirit. Now, I wonder, can you take the other that I didn't name and correctly match them to the commendables of Matthew 5? If you can't work it out, just let me know. You can just drop me an email and I'll be more than happy to send you a list and show you how they correspond one to of the other my friend i want you to know that you can live and if you are one of those individuals out there who simply hates the state of god's creation if you just if you hate with a deep devoted passion the fact that god who is so marvelous so wonderful so magnificent so glorious has to put up with a broken, fallen, dilapidated, ruined creation that consistently disrespects, disregards, and takes every advantage of the mercy of God, not for his goodness, but out of their own desire to explore the outer realms of wickedness. My friend, one day God is going to set you free from the bondage of this fallen world and allow you to experience the kind of depth of joy and fulfillment that you so wonderfully want and deserve. It's just one of the commendables. My hope is that God will give you grace to live in a world committed, to its own ruination but that you'll be able to look forward to the day when God will bless you for your blessing of him stay holy my friend in Jesus name amen